this is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com And welcome. Today, I am delighted because I don't have one guest. I have two guests on this show. Actually, it's the first time uh, I had two guests uh, at this, uh, on the show uh, in the same interview. And I am delighted to have uh, first Karen Hurt. Uh, if you don't know Karen, she's a former Verizon Wireless executive. Uh, maybe you've seen her in Inc. Magazine because she was one of the uh, great leadership, one of the top 100 great leadership speakers in Inc. Magazine. She was also one of the 50 leaders to watch uh, uh, by American Management Association. Uh, she's the author of two books, one she co-authored with uh, David Dye, which I'll be introducing shortly. And she also offered, authored the book Overcoming an Imperfect Boss. Also, we have here David Dye. So before, he's the co-author of Winning Well, a book he wrote with Karen. He's an internationally recognized professional speaker, trainer, and uh, facilitator. He founded Trailblaze Inc. to train leaders who want to build energized, motivated, and productive teams. He writes for the Huffington Post. Uh, perhaps you've seen him in Fast Company, uh, Entrepreneur Magazine. Also, serves on the board of directors for the Colorado chapter of the National Speakers Association. Happy to have them both. David, Karen, welcome. Thanks so much for having us. Pleasure to be here with you. Great. So, Karen, we will start with you first. Let's go back in time, Karen. You know, how did you, you know, you know, became, you know, you have founder of Let's Grow Leaders, which you're helping a lot of leaders around the world. You know, you know, how did that passion start? How was it birthed within you? Was this something that, you know, your parents were doing, you know, as you were growing up as a kid? Let's talk about that. Oh, it's interesting because if you ask my mother, uh, she says that I was a leader from the time I was in the crib and I would arrange my stuffed animals and tell them all what to do. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's something a little bit inherent in my love of leadership. Mm -hmm. But uh, I really uh, developed uh, my passion for helping people lead the right way uh, by getting results without losing their soul and blending the bottom line with the human spirit uh, by being a manager and then an executive at Verizon, um, I, I spent the first decade in leadership development and training kinds of roles. Uh, but the second decade I was there, I was really in a variety of field positions in some pretty hard assignments. Uh, you know, I, I led a 2,200-person sales team and a 10,000-person outsourced call center uh, environment. And in all of those cases, the pressure to get results and to get results fast uh, was so high. And I was finding that uh, the very best way to do that, right, was to really balance uh, having strong confidence and humility and balancing results and relationships. And I learned a lot of that the hard way. And so uh, as we were, as I was doing that in the last couple of years that I was there, I began writing down the stories and started a leadership blog that really took off and it seemed to be helping people and people began to resonate with it. And I've, I'm all about 
helping people understand that you can get great results and remain a decent human being. Indeed. And actually, I'll pose the same question to you, David. You know, how did you get passionate about leadership? You know, did, did, did your did your parents, you know, kind of have uh, executive or leadership roles? You know, you know, how did you discover your passion for leadership? That's <laughs> a, a fun question and actually a very similar journey to Karen. In fact, as a child, uh, it wasn't my parents that had those kinds of roles. It was something Thing I was doing from an early age. And I often joke, people ask, how'd you get into this? I said, well, I was born the oldest of six kids. Mm -hmm. And frequently I was placed in a leadership role where I needed to work with them to get things done. And I did that poorly for many, many years. One of my earliest memories is of locking all my brothers and sisters in the basement to try to make them get the house clean. And you can imagine <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't go over well. So that was the, <laughs> that was the start of the, uh, the journey for me and asking that question of how do we work together? How do we get things done? And through my career, I started my professional career uh, in the nonprofit industry and served as an elected official on um, city council roles and things like that, where you don't have the power and the money that sometimes you have in the corporate world, and you've got to rely on influence in order to get things done. And just as Karen was saying, there was that huge emphasis on results in her corporate career. Similarly, there is a huge emphasis on results in these realms where passion and people care so deeply about what's going on. And uh, amazingly, even though the heart motivation is there, you can end up having some very caustic, negative environments. And I uh, worked with a number of organizations to transform them from small organizations that were long and some of the good things they wanted to do and, and build them into um, international types of, of groups. So that transformation is something I discovered as I went. No one there to go and work together and, and find those answers. And in the process, as Karen was saying, discovered uh, how humility and confidence combine in a leader, how when you, you bring to the table in every interaction you're in, that focus on results and relationships, that allows you to get those transformational breakthrough results and to be a good human being and feel good about yourself uh, every night when you lay down to sleep. Indeed. And Karen, you know, the moment that you graduated from high school, you know, you know, because a, a lot of, uh, well, I can't say millennials now, but, you know, about I guess I guess nowadays Generation Zers, you know, a lot of them, you know, even still today, you know, when they graduate from when they graduate from high school, their parents, you know, they don't even have an option, you know, uh, you know, the parents will say, well, you know, I don't want to hear it, you're going to college, you know, now, did you go to college? And, and I did. Do you think that college has made you a better leader? I am positive that it has. Mm. Uh, and I will tell you why. And I've watched this also with my son. I have a college-age son now as well. Uh, college not only gives you the, you know, the intellectual grounding and the conceptual grounding on some of the communication skills and working in groups, but I will tell you, for me, it was, the, and for my son, it, it was the experiences I had in leadership roles while I was there. I, I was president of my sorority and so you know I was regularly meeting leading meetings of over 100 people and organizing all kinds of activities and having to work with the administration uh, to get things done, uh, managing conflict and when you know somebody would do something stupid, dealing with public relations, right, all of that. And I've watched my son as he's gone through, and he's actually not only gotten involved with his own college, but has been involved in a lot of the work with the North Carolina school administration across the state. And I, 
I don't think you can learn any of that from a textbook, but it certainly gives you the experience to supplement your classroom learning. And, and David, did you go to college? I sure did. And do you think college has made you a better leader? Uh, absolutely. I agree with everything that Karen said and add that there, there's two elements. There's the experiential element that Karen shared, and I had similar experiences leading uh, organizations and, and actually participating in leadership development, uh, extracurricular activities and, and those sorts of things. And as with Karen, have seen my daughter do the same thing. She graduated from college and in that capacity served as president of, of different student groups. And we would have such excellent conversations about these same questions. How on earth do we bring people together and achieve results? Uh, and when you've got disparate people who all are there for different reasons. The other piece that I think is important is from an education perspective, we live in a very interconnected, complex world. And the more understanding that we have of where we live and the people that we're interacting with uh, and, and just that perspective in general is going to help you as a leader. I think perspective is one of a leader's greatest uh, attributes, greatest characteristics mm -hmm. uh, to making good decisions. And college helps you get that, uh, that perspective as well as the skills that you're going to need. Start with a free audiobook. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. You may not have a lot of free time. But you can definitely listen to a book on a plane, on the bus, or even while you're driving. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. Start reaching the finish line with your free audiobook. David, do you think that a person can be just as a great leader like yourself uh, if they don't go to college? And if they can, what do you think are perhaps some resources that they can utilize to help them become a better leader? Well, that's a, a challenging question. You certainly can lead from anywhere um, because leadership starts internally. And the, the fundamental that, that, that we really try to help people grasp and practice ourselves is that Leadership starts with leading yourself and how you're leading from those values of confidence and humility and, and how you're standing up and you're speaking the truth that needs to be said uh -huh. um, from a, a position of humility where you're recognizing the dignity of the people around you. You're inviting challenges to your thinking. Uh -huh. uh, and none of, none of those things require uh, higher education. Those are things we can start cultivating at a very young age. And, and Karen and I want young people to cultivate those things as well. Yeah. So, is it essential? Uh, no. And can you do it without? Yes, you can. Uh -huh. But why not take the shortcut that's available to the perspective, to the skills, to the opportunities to practice? Uh -huh. And so to answer your question of what else can you do, if that's not the path that, that you're on or that you have chosen for whatever reason, uh -huh. seek out opportunities. As Karen said, the experience is our best textbook. Indeed. And so we, you know, with Winning Well, we share all kinds of tools and and techniques and, and tactics that you can use to be an effective leader, but you have to practice them somewhere. Uh -huh. So find those opportunities, volunteer, wherever it is that you can get yourself into a role of influence and practice working with other people to get, achieve results. Uh -huh. It doesn't have to be in a business setting, uh -huh. and that's what's going to help you improve and grow as a leader. Indeed. Karen, you was a former uh, Verizon Wireless executive, and uh, some people, you know, 
you know, they send me emails and say, you know, you know what, hey, this entrepreneur thing is not for me. You know, what I really want to be, I want to be executive. I want to have a company car. I want to have stock options. I want to have my own office. You know, I want to, you know, I want to have four weeks of vacation. You know, you know, oftentimes, you know, I try to educate people that. You know, every executive don't have all those perks. You know, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's not like a you know a high life you know luxurious uh, lifestyle. You know, I'm definitely interested. You know, to hear what was your experience like as an executive for, for Verizon Wireless. Well, I worked really hard. <laughs> you know, it's funny when people said, you know, how do you, you're so lucky you, you have all these opportunities and you, you got, and I did, I mean, at the end, I, I mean, I did have some perks, right? I did have good stock options and a very nice salary and five weeks of vacation and all those things. Um, but I worked really hard along the way. And what you don't see when you see that is, you know, when I was in the sales role and, and starting at 4.30 in the morning on, on Black Friday and hitting, you know, all the Verizon wireless stores and over a nine hour radius and uh, finishing at uh, midnight wow. you know, and then getting up the next day and doing the same thing, right? So, and that was at, at, as an executive. So, you know, it's it goes both ways. There's uh, a lot of things that could be considered perks and I, I feel very, very blessed to have had those. And in fact, um, that was able a very key way that I was able to um, fund starting my own business is because I saved a lot of the money to get ready to do this. Um, but you know, it those good things also come with a, with a lot of hard work and a lot of so sacrifice mm -hmm. and time away from family and things like that as well. For sure, you know, what was a typical work week like for you, Karen? Like for example, like you know, if you can estimate how many hours on average was you working a week as an executive there? Uh, 60. 60, yeah. So for, for people who are listening, you know, really truly think about it. I mean, obviously, as Karen stated, uh, there are some definitely rewards in being an executive. But at the same time, you know, um, it's not for everyone. You know, and, you know, if, if you're very family-oriented, might not necessarily be the best option. You know, you know, if, you, if you're a person that wants to spend a lot of time uh, with your family. Uh, but depending on what your goals are, uh, it, it possibly could be an option. You know, uh, also, Karen, you've um, you've been recently named uh, uh, one of the 100 great leadership speakers in Inc. Magazine, uh, uh, definitely a, one of my favorite uh, publications. As a person who has received such a designation, what do you think, um, you know, has been some things that made a difference for you to get recognized as one of the 100 great leadership speakers? You know, uh, first of all, I was very humbled by that. It was a it's a wonderful honor. I really appreciate it. It's you know, it, I have worked very hard at building my social media platform and brand, mm -hmm. and uh, I really believe it began by a, a deliberate approach of working on um, getting my voice out there uh, through mostly through my blog. Um, and then, of course, through Twitter and other social media, and people began to recognize my voice that way and start paying attention to me. So I would definitely recommend that if somebody has something important that they want to say, if they're looking to, to get their voice out there, find a, a platform. And it's so easy these days you know, to start a blog. Um, I just It's interesting. My college roommate just shared with me. Um, she just had a blog post that went viral. She doesn't blog that frequently, and it had twenty, uh, yeah, uh, like two and a half or two hundred fifty million views, or something crazy. And then wow. got on TV because of it. 
And, you know, it's just, we can, it's accessible now for people to, because she had something important to say. And she said it, and somebody noticed it. And so I would encourage people, if you have something to say, just start getting your voice out there. Indeed. Uh, David, you know, one of the ways, you know, people often get their ideas out to the world, besides, as Karen stated, you know, writing blog posts and people can do audios or interviews and things of this matter, but they also uh, use the medium of speaking. And uh, that's something that you have done quite a bit. Uh, you actually serve on the board of directors for the Colorado chapter of the National Speakers Association, uh, among, if not pro probably the biggest uh, speakers association in the United States. You know, for someone who wants to really get into leadership, do you think that speaking uh, is a good way to enter the market to spread their ideas? That influence happens through your voice. And that voice can be written, that voice can be spoken. And so learning to be an effective communicator, whether you're one-on-one -on -one conversationally or you're having a conversation with a thousand people in the audience, uh, as Karen and I have done in our professional careers, either way, you need to be effective at communicating and know how to um, speak to a person's heart, not just their head. Uh, people make decisions, they do the things they do because of an effective uh, influencer and communicator. Great. And I definitely, uh, it's definitely a great segue to go into the book that you both co-authored, Winning Well, A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul. You know, a lot of people, get, they, get, they get the wins. They get small wins. You know, they say, well, hey, you know, it's a small win. And there's nothing wrong with small wins because it is a, it, you know, you are making progress. But, you know, you both talk about how to win well. So let's, let's, let's get into that. You know, what was the inspiration uh, behind the book? Uh, we'll start with you, Karen, and then I'll be happy uh, to hear from you. So I watched so many managers struggle and with the thinking that they had to do things they disagreed with or sacrifice some element of themselves uh, in order to achieve and uh, the results that they needed. Um, either burning themselves out, burning their teams out, um, showing up as a human being that they did not like, um, and not feeling good about themselves when they went to bed at night. And I knew from experience that, you, you know, at Verizon, I was able to really do some really great things with the support and um, engagement of a really high-performing team um, because we were able to focus on the balance of doing it the right way balancing confidence and humility and balancing results and building real genuine relationships. So I knew it was possible. And um, so that was really the inspiration for the book to let people know, yes, you can. Great. And David? Another fantastic question there. Somebody who maybe had a different business background than mine, maybe somebody who had a, a different uh, life experience, uh, gender, uh, different personality, and all of those things are are helpful. And so at looking at writing this book, uh, you know, when we realized that we were writing a very similar book and that we were very aligned in our message, it made a lot of sense to collaborate. And so I think that one of the motivations for me was to build a stronger product that was going to be more helpful and reach even more people. And I certainly think we've done that. Great. Want the full episode? You can get it when you become our premium radio subscriber. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your subscription today what do you get you get things like early access to the episodes commercial free one hour episodes 
Mastermind calls with our guests, freebies from our guests, as well as much more. Go to reachinthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your premium subscription for it's another way for you to start reaching your finish line. And, you know, Karen is uh, an executive in the for-profit world. David uh, is an executive, was an executive in a, a non-for-profit world. Uh, let's talk about uh, some of uh, the tenets in a book of how, how to win well. So let's start with you first. David. When we talk about uh, humility, um, one of the things that we talk about is owning ugly. All, all of us have things that are not working as well as they should. And we need to call those things out. We need to focus on them. We need to uh, have the discussion. When we have screwed up, when we've screwed up, uh, we need to apologize. We need to take responsibility for that. Um, another aspect of humility is that we, we call it channeling the challengers. So we invite dissenting voices. We invite people to converse and have a conversation. Uh, when they see things differently, we know we're going to make a better decision. So we have to invite them feedback and be open to it. In the book, Karen, you talk about three delegation mistakes you don't have to make. Let's spend some time in talking about what those delegation mistakes are. Yeah, well, the first is uh, focusing, uh, not defining the finish line. So you're delegating, but you're not telling people where you're headed. And uh, so and I hear this from managers all the time. People say, you know, what my boss does they they say they want one thing and then I do it. And then they say, well, no, that's not exactly what I wanted. And they, they want something else. Mm-hmm. So that's the first mistake is failure to define the finish line. The second is to delegate, focusing on the process, not the outcome. Mm-hmm. So it, when you're delegating, you want to tell people what it is that you want them to accomplish, but not delegate every single specific step along the way because that makes people feel micromanaged and frustrated uh-huh. right and um and then the other is a failure to follow up so if you if you delegate and um and somebody does it and you don't say anything you don't say thank you or you don't say good job or you don't say well that was pretty good and yet next time i need you to do x y or z people are wondering well why did i bother Mm-hmm. Or if you delegate and they do it wrong and you don't hold them accountable for it um, and you don't say, no, that's not what I wanted, then they're less likely to take you seriously the next time you're delegating. Mm-hmm. So, Indeed. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you it doesn't matter if you're a small business, medium size or big business. Uh, this uh, this is great advice and it definitely applies across all levels. Um, you know, you know, kind of, you know, in, in order for someone to delegate officially, it goes back to kind of leadership, as you both was talking about previously. You talking you talk about the winning well leader model, and you kind of have like four types, I guess of I guess you call it leadership styles or management styles. Uh, let's 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 spend some time and talk about what they are. Yeah, so it starts with the internal values of confidence and humility, mm-hmm. and so that's having the confidence to have an audacious vision, mm-hmm. uh, to set very clear expectations, right? So uh, to to stand up for what matters and speak the truth, and uh, then coupled with the humility to know your vulnerabilities, both as a human being and about and with a team that in the company that you're working with, to admit your mistakes and invite and surround people who will cha- yourself with people who will challenge you. So it starts with the internal values of confidence and humility. 
and then it has the external focus of both results and relationships. So clarity of expectations. We spend a lot of time about clarity of expectations and holding people accountable. Uh, and then relationships, that's results, and then relationships, um, creating genuine connection with people as human beings, encouraging collaboration. And when you can have all of those functioning on all cylinders, that's where you have a winning, what we call winning well manager. Mm -hmm. And you can actually go to our, our website, which is winningwellbook.com and take an assessment and see for free and see where you come out around this. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you, but if any of those are out of balance, then you see some of these other manager prototypes show up. So for example, if you're overly, overly confident and don't have enough humility and overly focused on results, you see what we call a user manager. Somebody who gets results at all costs, leaving bodies along the way, burning people out, the team hates them, right? And their, their results may go up for a minute because if you turn up the fire hot, hot enough, people do whatever you ask. Mm -hmm. but, but you won't attract an A team that wants to stay with you or, or who will do whatever you need them to and go above and beyond because they are so un, unhappy. Great advice. As we come to a close, if people want to follow you, Karen, or get in contact with you, how would they do that? Yeah, so our book website is winningwellbook.com, and we have a number of free resources there. They'd be great for entrepreneurs or for people working in companies. There's a, a toolkit you can download for free. You can take our Winning Well assessment for free. Um, you can contact both David and I at authors at winningwellbook.com. Um, and I'm also at my website is letsgrowleaders.com. So happy to talk with any of your listeners. I'm always interested in hearing um, about people's leadership journeys and what they're struggling with and how we can help. Great. Karen, thank you for being our guest. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs, best-selling author and career strategist as seen at Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.